Cancer Pants Podcast gives voice to cancer thrivers and caregivers from all walks of life. In this podcast, we'll have conversations exploring the thoughts, feelings, and experiences with those who journey with cancer. I'm your host, Rochelle Trudeau. I'm a cancer thriver of 12 years, and I believe that sharing stories is a vital part of our healing journeys. The storytelling in this podcast is meant to encourage, comfort, and provide insight for anyone who journeys with cancer. Welcome to Cancer Pants. Hey, so I'm here with Nanette, and we are chit-chatting as we always do. We can dive right in. Um, before this, before I hit record, I was like, Oh, I got to hit record. <laughs> I know I was already can, talking. <laughs> we can dive right in. And, um, you know, we went through cancer around the same time. Mm-hmm. Hi. Close. Yeah. Hi, Hi. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, you were going through treatment right as I was finishing treatment mm-hmm. and, and then we and then you got a massage for me. <laughs> yes. I, I stalked you. I saw you in the street and almost let you walk by. And then I said, no, I have to talk to her. Um, and I think I was, yeah, I think I was going through treatment. I think I had a scarf on. I'm not really sure, but it, whatever. I just told you what I was going through. And so then we became yeah. friends ever since. Yeah. And so it's been a great friendship. We've, uh, one of the things I think we have in common is that we're really open to sharing our story about cancer. and. I think one of the things that I've been able to bond with you about, and I feel kind of like, oh, she's my people, is in this way of being able to see the the deeper meaning and kind of be okay with all of that, whatever's kind of coming out of it when it comes to journeys and experiences and, and um, maybe things that aren't so easy in life. And so, first of all, I appreciate that. I appreciate our friendship and what you've taught me. Mm-hmm. And I just think you have a lot to share. So, start us off today with a little bit about you know who you are, what your journey has been like with the experience of having cancer, and um, and kind of bring us up to the present, and then we'll fall back in with questions. Awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah, my name is Nanette and I live in Austin and I was diagnosed in 2010 when I was 42, which is considered young, um, with no history in my family whatsoever. Um, you know, completely out of the blue on my first mammogram. Um, and I really don't know how much you want me to go into here, but I had a suspicion something was wrong with, with one breast, you know? And so I kind of said, oh, you know, this breast like kind of hurts once a month or so-and-so, you know, so maybe you need to take extra pictures. I said that. And, you know, and it was kind of pretty obvious once they got the mammogram pictures um, that something, and they told me to like stay (laughs) till the doctor got in. I was like, okay. And yeah. And, you know, and they were like, you know, yeah, this is pretty big, this thing. And then I had a biopsy that day. Um, Whoa. Friday. Yeah. They told me to come back at one. Um, <laughs> so I went home and took a shower and put on some glitter eyeliner, which is yeah. my, my glitter, motto. Glitter, yeah. Glitter every day was my blog I wrote during cancer. 
um, just to signify kind of like feeling, trying to feel myself during all it. And um, yeah, so that was a Friday and then I was diagnosed on Monday and um, I, you know, I had a, um, you know, all the doctor's appointments and I had a, I had a lumpectomy that wasn't really conducive, uh, conclusive maybe. And so I had a bilateral mastectomy with implants and then I had some chemo. Um, and then I had the, you know, the implants put in after chemo and I pretty much haven't had any scans or anything since then. That's just my protocol protocol. But then in 2019, I had my implants taken out with, um, what's known as aesthetic flat closure surgery so that I could be flat. Um, cause I didn't want any new implants in there and I didn't want any other kind of more difficult surgery just to mm-hmm. recreate the shape of breasts. I just don't. I have a different opinion about these things in myself since then. Um, and so mm. that's, that's, that's us up to speed <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, and so by implants, a lot of people um, use the terminology um, reconstructive surgery. So you oh, had, yes. mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just wanting to put those words out there. So we, so you had reconstructive surgery and then you went all the way until recently with these implants, was there, can you talk to me a little bit about why you chose to remove them? Yeah. You know, it's sort of an interesting thing. Like there's a lot of uh, awareness and discussion about implant illness that people sometimes get. And it's not just breast cancer survivors, it's people that get, you know, um, uh, breast enhancement implants and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started to read about that stuff and I have kind of like random symptoms that I'll be honest here. And I I think I was hoping that some of them were were that and that would go away magically Mm -hmm. when my implants were taken out because, you know, I have some weight that's hard to lose and I have some stomach issues and, you know, it's just little things that, that, but, but this wasn't just like, um, it's hard to say. It wasn't like I just sort of casually was like, oh yeah, just take them out and all these things will be fixed. And I didn't look into it. I just, right. I also, you know, realized I was coming on 10 years and they, they, they say that you're supposed to replace your implants every 10 years. There was also a, a kind of implant, not the kind I had that were re- recalled actually from being, being dangerous. Wow. Um, wow. And so it just, it just started, it was my align, my thought process of having foreign objects. I hate that word actually, but having, you know, <laughs> something, it just, that I started to think about it more. Yeah, that I didn't grow, you know, it just didn't really align with what I would do now if I was doing it. And I realized as I really start to think about it, that I never really liked them. Like, like it mm. wasn't, it, you know, I mean, I looked okay in clothes, but it wasn't like some magical, like, like, Ooh, I have boobs, you know, isn't this great? It just, you know, there, there are items placed on top of a part of my body and then covered with skin. <laughs> Sorry to be detailed, but you know, like they were, they were no, be as detailed just as you on want. top of me. They didn't feel part of me. Right. Yeah. They were, they were just like on top of me, not part of me. They were not comfortable. If I leaned against things, you know, it just, it was like, they just didn't feel like me. And mm. so I did a lot of research and I, there's a lot of, uh, there's a, a supportive movement surrounding being flat with a lot of uh, great role models and support and people and discussion. Mm-hmm. And so it's just That's a great. different world than when we were diagnosed. Um, and yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's very different now. I'm like, very if I would have had this support. <laughs> I know. And then, you know, and I, I just was like, I just changed my perception of what, 
we're trying to achieve with with reconstruction. I get it. I totally understand reconstruction. I get yeah. the feelings around it, but my thoughts about it change. And I certainly wasn't going to get the other type of reconstruction, which is called deep flap, which we don't really need to get into, but except for the fact that it right. is an extremely longer, more intense surgery it's with a, a major lot of major surgery. Major surgery. I'm 53 yeah. years old. I don't I work for myself for commission. I don't, you know, I don't have time for that and I don't want that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I was just like easy. I'll put a link in the show notes for what that surgery is all about in case yeah. someone's curious about that. And it's it, and it doesn't involve having foreign objects put in your body. Right. You know, so it's a really great option for for many people, um, but not yeah. for me. Not, not great. At all. So it was easy. And it was an easy choice, really. I just hadn't, I haven't looked back. So you kind of got the option. You just, you, you took your 10 year time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to say, wait a second, where, how do I align with this form? Yeah. These, these things, how do I align <laughs> with these things? Do I want to get new ones or <laughs> do I want to have, have a new shape? I mean, there, I, there must've been a lot of freedom in that moment when you ha- got to make that decision. Like when you started making that decision, talk yeah. about it. Um, I mean, it really wouldn't, maybe I mean, not. It was, it was, no, I don't mind. It was made easier by you being mm. in my life. And, and then mm-hmm. our other friends that, that, mm-hmm. that, um, either chose flat from the beginning or later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was very freeing to kind of just release myself of like this needing to try for something. How do I put this? This needing to try for a, an appearance or a, so that I didn't have any more that mm-hmm. was taken away from me essentially by cancer, but that like, like, like I felt like it's this constant thing to kind of like try to be what other people might consider whole again, or a woman, female again. And it was just like, I just didn't, it just didn't make sense anymore that that was some kind of like thing I was trying to achieve from an outward perception of my body. And so to just sort of be, yeah. um, you know, to be able to just be like, yeah, you know, it's going to be hard. I, I'm not fooling myself that I'm just going to suddenly like go, woohoo, I'm flat, yippee, you know, look at me, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, I knew it was going to be hard, but, but it was, it was, a, a, it was definitely freeing. And I can't really, I don't really, can't really explain that exactly, but it was, <clears throat> it was very freeing and just, to just make that, make that choice and knowing that I was going to deal with it. Yeah. The word grief is coming up for me. Um, It's been coming up for me since before this conversation, when I think about you Um, only because um, initially I thought about grief as a way to kind of grieve our cancer sisters, brothers, people in our lives who've passed from cancer. And I know that you've had, quite a few of those. And so I was thinking about that, but I love that, um, that you brought this story into the mix because you, I wonder if when you, when we, when there's reconstruction in a, in a process or in a treatment protocol, if there's, um, that there's a skipping or a missing out on the loss of something, um, of, of a body part. I, I wonder, yeah. I wonder if you can speak to that. Like you get reconstruction so that you feel more whole. So you look more whole. So you, you present in a certain way or for whatever reason, and all those reasons are valid and beautiful, but there's a reason why you do reconstruction. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your experience with that. 
Yes, definitely. Definitely. When I had my <clears throat> explant surgery and went flat, I felt a uh, really kind of a, a huge grief and it was surprising to me <clears throat> because I, because I was like, I've done this before, you know? And then I realized that that was <clears throat> kind of what it was, is that I was grieving the loss of my shape, but that I was grieving it for a second time. I just hadn't acknowledged it when I had my mastectomy, because when you get, like you said, just now, when you get reconstruction, you kind of like, maybe don't think of it as grief, you know, or, or I wasn't going to, you know, maybe some other people do, but I wasn't going to allow myself to really feel that because I really just wanted to kind of like move on and be happy and like look for the best, you know, that's my personality type um, in general. And I think it's great because <laughs> I'm a happy, <laughs> joyful person. However, I do sometimes think I could, I don't dive into things that are, are too painful. And so when I had this like, when I went flat, I was just like, oh my, it, part of me was, and I was mad. I was like, if only I had done, had the thoughts to do this 10, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, then I wouldn't be grieving now again, you know, or I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> had to do this now and I don't even have cancer. You know, it was like, I could have just been done and used to my flat chest by now. And, you know, I had, so I had all these kind of like regret thoughts, which I, I don't like either. <laughs> I don't like sitting with regret, um, <laughs> right? you know, and, and, so I guess in, in hindsight, you know, I wasn't ready to have this kind of feeling then, you know, so it's not, right. it shouldn't really be a regret. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was huge to just sort of like this delayed grief was almost worse in a way, you know, just cause I, I just felt really heavy with it. Like that I had to, <clears throat> at this point, you know, get used to this new body, you know, I had, and, and, and adjust this far along in the game. Yeah. yeah. This far along in the game, you know, and yeah. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, grief isn't like something that ever goes away. I don't think, you know, loss mm -hmm. because you can't ever get back exactly what we lose. I mean, try to try to tell me something you can get back. That's human or emotional or relational right? That you can, if you lose, that you can get back exactly the way. And so over the last 10 or 11 years, your life has changed because of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's been little practice or little onion layers of grief kind of coming down to this, this one point. Are there things that you dealt with in your life around grief during the last 11 years that were different than body? image type of things um that might have prepared you um <clears throat> i mean there was something you said in the beginning that i kind of wanted to touch touch on this but oh. it's kind of gone but um i mean there are different <clears throat> you know there's there's sometimes i'm i grieve a carefree life of not thinking about cancer actually not sometimes a lot of the time you know mm -hmm. because as as almost only cancer survivors can know, you know, you, when you have any feeling of something in your body, you know, there's a, there's at least a split second where you're like, it's cancer, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then there's something where you're like really worried about it, and then you have to go to the doctor and have it checked out, you know? And so then you have this mm -hmm. stress and then you have, a, if you're like us, where you're surrounded in, in the community, we have to worry about other people all the time, you yeah. know, like we just, yeah. like you mentioned earlier, losing friends. It's like, you know, I, I just like, I'm sometimes I get so nervous when I see a post 
notification in Facebook on our on our support groups because I'm like I don't want it to be you know a recurrence I don't want to deal you know it's like yeah. I have one friend who doesn't involve herself in the survivor world and I'm like what's it like in my mind what's it like to be <laughs> not thinking about cancer and death and friends and you know treatments and things all the yeah. time like is that nice I mean I'm sure it's nice although I wouldn't want it to be another way because I really love my sisterhood you know yeah. but it's but that that I think about that would it be like to not have like an entire cancer life and when I say that, it's not negative. Like, I hope anyone listening doesn't think like, oh, God, that sounds terrible. I mean, it really is a, a beautiful experience being with with people and, and being in the support world. And, you know, yeah, I would it, not trade that. Yeah. But it's, it's hard. I mean, all of the best and most important conversations I've ever had in my life have been with other cancer thrivers. Yeah, you know, it's true. Because... Something happens to you on that day when you get diagnosed with breast cancer and, or with any kind of cancer or when yeah. your child is born or when you, your mother dies or yeah. you know, all, the, all these, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those big, um, initiations mm-hmm. into self. It's, it's, it's a, it's a threshold you cross that you can't cross back over. Um, that's enough, um, <laughs> cliches on that one. But I think that well, um, well, it's so true. For true, and so <laughs> and so when you, my point of that was that when you are in community with people who understand that particular threshold, that particular initiation, you're held in in community. You're held in um, confidence. You know, confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, where yes, yeah, you feel safe heard. It's the most deepest understanding. Yeah. Um, I remember what I was going to say when you were talking yeah. about Perfect. like <clears throat> the life. It's it's really in many ways, and this happened to me in different situations in my life, like when I got divorced and became a single mom and various things. And it's really kind of the serenity prayer. Um, do you, I mean, you're familiar with the serenity prayer, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you just have to kind of, when these things change your life, you, you have no choice but to accept them at some level. Mm-hmm. And when it says in the serenity pair, change the things I can, you know, like, so you might not be able to change that. You can't just say, well, I'm going to change cancer. It's going to be gone from me tomorrow, you know, but you can change your outlook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, you can pretend it's not there, but it's not going to go away. <laughs> I mean, right. I remember that when I was, when I was getting divorced, I was just like, like, I had this like two weeks of just being like, oh my God, we have to go to therapy. We have to do this. We have to do that. You know? And then I was like, oh, I can't just make him love me the way he used to, or even me love him the way I used to. Right. I can't just make that happen. Like it's not possible. And right. you could think you can, I think that, you know, it, it's like, so all I can do is like, okay, here I am at this point, And then the rest of the points are the, the rest of my life, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm just going to like live that. And it was really like, it was almost like that was a little precursor to the cancer diagnosis. I was like, okay, this is where I am at this point in life. And here we go. Right. right. It's funny how um, I did the same thing with life, those, those initiations in life. Like I had run this, the distance challenge, which is six consecutive races that get really hard. And then mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, oh, I'm getting six chemos. Perfect. I'll just pretend like they're races. And if I, I know if I can get through those things because that was hard. I can get through this because this is hard. 
And then I realized in the middle of that, I was like, wait, life's not going to get any easier, right? <laughs> this is what this is trying to tell me. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. That's funny. Is cancer the hardest thing you ever did? It might even not be. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I think actually parenting is. Thank you. You're in my team. You're all in. I'm like, those don't go away. Mm -mm. They you don't. Cannot treat, like, you cannot treat your kids. <laughs> they, they are who they are and they stay where they're at. <laughs> yeah. And they get older and become young adults and it's even harder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah. you know, I honestly think think that is. I think, uh, you know, I mean, I, I still sometimes, I, do, I still say that. I still say, oh, yeah, that's the hardest thing I ever went, to, went through. But, um, yeah, you know, and everybody has a different situation. I mean, I had a lot I of do. And I had a pretty I mean, you actually, yeah. Diagnosis yeah. To some extent, I was thinking you know? about, sorry, we're having a little, we're a little sorry, delays. We a little audio yeah. glitch there. Um, I was, I was just talking to someone who, um, who was actually pregnant while she was going through cancer and, you know, th that kind of thing. And, and, really the story is really wrapped around like, I have to be here for my kids. And my story was wrapped around like, I don't think I could do this if I had kids to take care of, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So one of those perspective differences, and I know that your kids were kind of preteen age, right? They were young. Gabriel was only like um, five or yeah. And Claudia... Oh, wow. was in elementary school. Claudio was, I think, maybe the first year of middle school. Um, so okay. they were pretty. No, he wasn't five. Oh, God, you know, I don't know. He was born in 2002. And yeah. this was 2010. So he was yeah, eight. So they I were. Guess. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, my, their dad was very supportive. And it was, you know, his wife had actually just had breast cancer. Oh my God. I laugh, but it was it's like not a, funny, but it, it's but not it's funny. The, it, the irony, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that kind of was like, like a precursor. He kind of knew what I was going to be going through. So he was extra supportive. Oh, that's really awesome that you had that. Yeah. So I would like to kind of move into maybe asking you a bit more about, um, the, that relationship, some of the relationships you've had with other thrivers mm -hmm. and how, like, because this podcast is set up so that we have like a cancer support person every other week, I kind of want to see if you might speak also as a cancer support person. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I've seen you um, from a distance and for myself and for others. I mean, I've seen you really show up. Mm. And I wonder if you might tell me if you know, if you know why, why, what is it about you that really helps you to show up in that way that is helpful and loving and supportive and yeah, what is that thing in you? Speak wow. to that. It's so funny because I actually think of myself that I don't do enough <clears throat> because there's other people that have, <laughs> you know, how maybe that's like, the thing. <laughs> everybody has like their different ways of caring, right? Like I don't have like, um, like I'm not one to like maybe 
go some like like Vanessa, one of my dear friends who passed away, she came to my house and stayed here for four days after my surgery. I'm not that kind of person, you know. I mean, I would be if someone needed me, but that's not my, right. you know, like so. I, it's like so. I have these, you know, and I these limits I, that I feel like I have as far as like how much I give. So I, you know, or I compare myself to some other people that are just like big giant, you know, like mamas, you know, and just do everything. Well, and so, yeah. <laughs> but I do have a desire. Like I, I mean, you know, I, I, I got my yoga teacher training because I wanted to teach yoga cancer, uh, cancer yoga. And I, I haven't, you know, really had time to do that, but that's, so I guess what it comes from is the, the perspective of what it, how I know what it feels like. And I want people to, and I feel like I've had, um, you know, a pretty good ability to find joy in life post-cancer and to, and to find support and just, just do all this stuff. And I want other people to be able to experience that. Cause I see so many people not, I see a lot of, it's all legit. This is not coming from any judgment, but I see a lot of wallowing. Like I said, it's legit, you know, or mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, like living in constant fear and doing all this. And I want, you know, so my, hope is mostly that my sort of joyful spirit will be uh, helpful to people in some way or another. And so that's, that's what I feel like I do most of. And then, you know, but then, so I guess my biggest support is being people's really good friends when I can, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, like, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I don't really want to help clean someone's drains after surgery. You know, that that's, that's not my type right. of support. <laughs> Well, you have, you know, it, you're, it sounds like you have a hold on your, your boundaries of giving yeah. and, that, and that helps you be a better giver, in mm-hmm. my opinion. When we, when we know how much we can give and how we can give, then when we show up to give and we follow those guidelines for ourselves, yeah. then we are more present for the people who need us. Yeah. I basically have my big heart. My heart is there for everybody. You know, yeah, and, and I'll talk to I'll talk to anybody that you know, like people reach out to me all the time. Like my friend just got diagnosed. You know, can they talk to you? And like, of course, right, right. Yeah, you're that voice of reason and sounding board mm-hmm. and and compassion in that yeah. way. I also remember when I had my baby, which was harder than cancer. So I'm really glad you were there <laughs> for me. But um, I remember <laughs> you you like being so cool about going for walks and me bringing the stroller and the dog and like the whole nine yards and you know, you're so supportive to kind of show up for where I was at in that time. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Maybe that's, I think that's what I'm good at. I'll, you know, if someone wants to, my cat is (laughs) trying to get my attention. If someone wants to, you know, hang or go for a walk or just have me there or have me drop off, you know, like, um, something at the door and not see them, you know, it's like, I'm kind of there for whatever you know, within my boundaries that I mentioned. Um, Um, Tell me about your yoga journey and like cancer and how they're related. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in coming back to the the theme of grief. Yeah. I have to say, and this is kind of coming to me now, but that I maybe still do grieve my former yoga practice that I do Mm -hmm. that, that was, it joy. Okay. I'll start off with saying yoga still brings me great joy in my body. But when I started back at yoga, like in a class scenario after, um, cancer, I had to look for classes and this is hard to find that were called beginner yoga because I had started yoga when I was in my twenties. And so there was no beginner when you're in your twenties, you just go in there and do vinyasas and jump around and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, you and can. your body can do anything because <laughs> you can. So I never took any beginner yoga, which is so ultimately this beginner yoga was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me a foundation for yoga that, that was deeper than any previous practice. But it was very eye opening and just like and I would cry in every class just from either mourning, grieving my physical limitations or just feeling like a release and an opening and a gratitude for like having that in my life and, you know, maybe a chest opener, which is physical and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started, mm-hmm. so, you know, so I started this foundational beginning of yoga and it was, it's actually been very great, you know, but I, I still like when I see a vinyasa class on a schedule, I'm kind of like, Oh, can I go? Can I do that? Do I want to, do I have to explain that I'm not going to do all the vinyasas, you know? Um, cause I still have a lot of physical mm-hmm. restrictions from my surgeries and such. So, um, um, but again, I just restarted, you know, I had my explant and then COVID happened. So I hadn't been in a studio in a public class in a really, really long time. And I just went on this yoga retreat and it was like so amazing and joyful. And it was like, oh, my body knows this. And my body loves mm-hmm. hearing the teacher say these words and these poses to me. And, and, mm-hmm. and, um, so I kind of, I'm having like, it's like yoga is like a, journey sounds like corny but you know where you just have these different (laughs) relationships with it you know like sometimes you're tired of it or whatever and so now I'm kind of renewed again and I feel so excited Mm -hmm. like you know doing yoga every day for the first time in you know almost two years and um so I went to a public class yesterday and I felt that was joyful so I'm feeling kind of like nice like back into sort of I don't care about weightlifting anymore at least this week um you know, or anything. I just want to do yoga all the time. And it's, it's great that your body, you know, like have trust in your body, right? Like this, that's, that's something that's really hard. That's a grieving thing after cancer treatments is trusting your body in, in all kinds of ways. And so like when I get into yoga and my body knows it deeply and inherently, then I trust my body. I'm like, oh yeah, I can move in these poses. And I know, I know I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do a handstand maybe ever in my life again. And I don't care, you know, that's not yoga, you know, for me. Yeah. So it does, it helps me love and trust my body. I love that. (laughs) It's true. When we, I believe when we have a practice that's in alignment with who we are and what we want from ourselves, that it wasn't, it doesn't go away. It stays mm-hmm. there and practices itself within us until we're ready to embrace that practice. <laughs> practices you itself know? within us. Yes. I love it. <laughs> the, the passion for that thing lives and grows within us, mm-hmm. you know, and even as we, you know, even as you grew from having reconstructive surgery to having an explant surgery, like the idea of being comfortable with your body grew and developed and had, had to go through all of the things your body went through in order. Maybe I'm just saying, I'm not saying this is how it was for you, (laughs) but it seems like there, then you came to this in further alignment and then you, you reach this point of freedom Mm -hmm. and, and then now you're going back to this other practice that felt thwarted by your experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's definitely, it definitely has like cycles and phases and yeah. And, and I have learned, you know, and maybe this is part of having a strong yoga practice and 
spiritual practices, I have learned not to stress. Like when I'm not into yoga and I don't feel like going and there's things, I don't kind of go, I don't go like never do yoga again or, or sad, like, oh, why don't I love yoga? It's like, oh, I'm just going to wait until the right class or teacher or opportunity comes along and I'll know. And like, that's what happened when I clicked yes to this yoga retreat. You know, I was just like, yeah, because a part of me was like, I don't know if I can do yoga every day for four days with a bunch of yogis. You know, I was like, what am I doing <laughs> signing up for this? I haven't done it in ages, you know, but it felt right. It's intuition and it was right. You know, so when you were there, was cancer on your mind? Yeah, it always is. You know, especially especially because it was one of my first times being, well, I only knew one of these people really in person. So I had to, and I always kind of do this. It's like my sort of like freeing myself up in the first like meeting when you're like getting to know each other and bonding, you know, I talk about my flat surgery because I was going to have to be in shirts. And that's one thing I, you know, like I'm used flat fashion is like, um, I, I did air quotes for the listeners. Um, is is a thing that I'm really into, you know, like the clothes that look good flat. It's it's a thing, right? And you kind of had to know. But flat yoga fashion is not as easy. It's not because yeah. <laughs> I don't and, wear a bra. And flat swimsuit fashion is a whole yeah, other thing. A whole other thing. So I don't wear a bra underneath. You know, when I do yoga, but like certain yoga shirts, like you know, you can see everything if you right. wear a downward dog, right? And and it's just, right. it's just obvious. There's no hiding it, right? You know. So I I had, you know, I had feelings around that going in. I didn't know what shirts look good. So I actually threw like 15 yoga shirts in my, you know, like t-shirts and things in my suitcase. And um, it's like, I'll just see what looks good, you know? And so, yeah, it was on my mind. Um, And, um, but, you know, I worked through it. Um, One judges me, you know? So, um, but yeah. Yeah. So swimsuit fashion, yoga fashion, it is, um, blah, yeah. crazy out there because now being flat is cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I don't really, it's want just to- as cool. It's just as cool as everything else now. Um, it kind of is. And, and I, you know, it's yeah. like, and there's a whole other thing, like, um, I don't want to really get into this too much, but well, I don't know. We can, if you want to honestly, but body image, you know, like, yeah. like, yeah. And flat is cool and it looks really cute on really skinny people. Mm-hmm. And at least that's the, I'm talking from a kind of like basic body image perception and, and cultural societies, norm, right? cultural, norm. the cultural yeah. norm. And it looks harder or personal acceptance on a body that is not like that. And that's, and I don't, I'm, you know, I have a like weight um, that I struggle with, you know? And so you know, there it's kind of, it does. So it adds another layer to that where I kind of have to be like, okay, I, you know, already working on kind of looking good in clothes. And now I have to look good in clothes in two different ways and cover up the other parts because my stomach looks bigger when, when you don't have breasts and, um, yeah, you know, that's pretty, it's a pretty multi-layered thing. We could have like a whole hour podcast on body image and, <laughs> and cancer. Well, I'll and have you back on. I'll yeah. have you back and on. I'm happy to, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy to talk about, about it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. I remember, I remember bringing my friend to a group that you were doing these little coffees back when oh. we could have coffee. 
Yes. And I remember bringing one of my friends, Stacy, there, and um, we had such a beautiful conversation. It was this glitter gang. Is that what you called it? Yeah, the, the glitter, glitter gang, gang. gang. I need to do that again. I need to do that again. Yes. I'm writing it down. Um, a, a glitter gang. And uh, if anyone out there listening wants to, to do an, an online glitter gang, let us know. and We'll do it. Nanette will make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll help you make it happen. Yes. Um, because it was so nice. We didn't like kvetch or anything. It was more just like just shooting the shit about and acting like it was all just normal about cancer. It was so great. It was like, oh yeah, this and that. And that. So I guess maybe we did kvetch a little bit. Yeah. But it was it was really nice to just sit and have coffee in that community where we we're talking about. And um, my friend Stacy inevitably ended up passing away, um, um, sadly. And it was it was really, um, and I was her massage therapist as well. And so it was really a struggle. And just kind of wrapping my own cancer brain, <laughs> my own brain of a person who's had this disease, to watch that happen, and and not get. And try to focus on not getting more afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I did, you know, via social media kind of watch you and and we chatted a little bit on social media, but I watched, I know that you recently lost your dear friend, Vanessa, whom I Mm -hmm. met at your 50th birthday party, which was Mm -hmm. awesome. (laughs) She's a really amazing person. Yes. Um, But just to want to just lift up their spirits. Um send them love. Um, and also just, if you might want to just share a little bit about your experience with her and yeah. her passing. So, yeah, you know, it's funny, like <clears throat> in looking back over all the years of being in the support world, I kind of sometimes jokingly say to myself mostly, <laughs> or maybe to you and now the listeners that <laughs> I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit jaded about death in some ways. It's kind of like, you know, like, Oh, <laughs> You know, they're, yeah, they're going to die. You know, like when you start to see the certain like postings of a recurrence or a, or a stage four diagnosis mm-hmm. and various things. And that's not really how I am. I'm not flippant, but, but it's, it's kind of, you do get a little accustomed to it until it's someone you're really, really close to. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a, something to be said about not getting close. I don't know, but there was something about Vanessa. She came to one of my yoga classes and, um, we realized that we had been in communication via email in the past in a work capacity. Um, hmm. Cause I had noticed that her name was familiar and she's like, yeah, I've emailed you um, about such and such. And, and I was like, Oh, and um, that's so amazing. Like what a small world. And, and, um, and I really don't know, like our friendship just really grew cause we were just very like-minded or she's, she's a, a really incredible person and like, you know, anyone that will, that can, that comes, comes across her can kind of feel her light and her specialness. She has this way of making you feel like you are literally the best person in the world. Um, mm-hmm. when you're around her, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and apparently I am not the best person in the world because everyone else felt like they had around her as well. <laughs> um, wow. That's so a- she just, she's just like incredible. And we, you know, she's the, she's like the kind of friend that, that, you know, that I would want to marry or something, you know, like, yeah. cause it's like, if I say, <clears throat> and then we did this. So if I go, let's spend Valentine's day walking up and down Cesar Chavez, looking at the heart statues, 
you know, like, like the heart, <laughs> uh, you know, and um, she's like, yes, you know, and I'm like, okay, who else would want to do that weird thing? But she did, you know, and, um, or like, you know, let's, she was always like my East Austin um, art, whatever that calls the East Austin studio tour. Um, she was like always my companion for that. Um, and she, so she was like up for anything and very creative and uh, any experiment, you know, she was up for. And I just love that spontaneous personality. So we became very, very, very close. But in, in retrospect, you know, I really didn't know her as long as a lot of other people. But, um, you know, when she was diagnosed with stage four, it was very devastating. But even still, I told you, she stayed with me for four days after my explant surgery, you know, and she was sick, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's in, she was in, in, treat, in treatment, you know, like uh, oral meds and stuff like that. But she was, she was there for me. And that just like, like I can't, like that just blows me away. I still can't get over that, those times. But it was also precious times, you know, because we got to be together for so long, you know, yeah. for four days. You know, she, she has a wife and she, you know, had pets and she's still willing to do that. And, um, um, and, I don't, you know, COVID really also screwed up spending those last few months with her because mm-hmm. I really wasn't allowed to see her because she was so compromised um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with her immune system, especially because it was in her lungs. And so, you know, it, you know, so I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't see her. She made me a birthday cake and her wife dropped it off. So I didn't even get to like wave from the, from the street. Right. She wasn't feeling well that day. And yeah. Um, so I also um, wasn't really aware of like how close it was happening until until suddenly it was hospice time, you know, and um yeah. it was, you know, it's so hard too because there's like, you know, her wife and her longer friends and her sisters. And so you always have that kind of like, like how much am I supposed to be there or how much can you know, like there's 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 a there's such a yeah. strange because when you're cancer friends, yeah. you're sometimes on the second second ring a little bit of a fringe yeah yeah you know and turns out I was very welcome um but (laughs) I was you know nervous about that and I was actually able to be there when she died um Mm. despite COVID we all it was like we just kind of like yeah screw it we just yeah you know (laughs) it was outside we we she that we had a bed outside and a butterfly came and landed on her bed Oh my goodness. Um, apparently Vanessa means butterfly. So now butterflies are her saying yes. hi to me. Um, yeah. And um, did you get a butterfly tattoo? Uh, you know, I had one already, but yeah, I am going to okay. get another. <laughs> I am okay. get another. I just saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like it. I actually want to get like a V or, a, a, you know, a butterfly and a V oh, or yeah. something. Um, I actually, you know, I thought I'd cry more talking about it, but I, but I'm not, but um, I do cry when I think about her a lot. Um, Cause like, I honestly cannot, I just don't understand why like her spirit was, had to be extinguished. I guess it's not extinguished in my hmm. spiritual beliefs, but like her presence, you know, like her actual physical presence and her voice and her, you know, our yeah. laughter together. It's just now I feel like tearing up, but you know, um, yeah. I don't understand, you know, like, it's like, I, I, I can be really positive about everything. And then something like this happens. And it's like, I don't understand why, why, you know, there's the survivor guilt, if that's what you want to call it. But like, why are some people here and some people have it easier than others? And, and then 
And then some people at 30, you know, no, she was 40, um, but, you know, have to like have a really rough time of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so clear as you're talking about that, that there, there is no answer to that. There's no answer. No, there's no rhyme or reason. Because <laughs> how could you even come up? How could you even think, you know, there's just not an answer to that. And I think it's the, the randomness of life, right? Where within the structure and meaning of us being all here together, there is that chaos and uncertainty. Yeah. And if you think and about it too much, you, you can't, you, you will fall apart. You know, like it's, yeah. it's not really yeah. possible to exist and do all of our things if that's the, <clears throat> if that's where we let our thoughts ex- like live. Right. Because, and it's like that in any, any, any life. It's not just people that are touched by cancer. Um, but, right. you know, Vanessa really like, she really did have meaning in this world. And, and, oh God, I, I don't, I have it written in my phone somewhere, but like the, 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 I actually asked her because I, 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 you know, we knew she was dying. There's not like a reason to be coy. I was like, what, what message do you want me to continue for you? You know, mm. or like, what's your legacy? I don't know if I use the word legacy, but I asked her straight up. I was like, what? And it was something to do with wear crazy clothes and call it fashion. Um, and look for the art in everything. Um, and know that when you see a light in a place that that's her. Mm. And so wow. like, that's, I mean, that's just like, and it's just, and that's why, that's why she and I were so close because wearing crazy clothes and calls it, fa- call it fashion is like literally our favorite topic. Like we would send right. each other dresses. I have, I have hours of texts of us sending pictures of dresses. Like we have to wear this and like, let's get this. And we would order, order them, you know? <laughs> And that's she was why also went, a, a seamstress too. Yes, actually, she could make. She was yeah. going to make me stuff right right before she got too sick. And we were like, we're like, let's just make these dresses, and um, and then like the art thing, you know, it was like that's why she was the one that was always gung ho to go look at look at weird yeah. art stuff, you know, and um, yeah. So I, I try to remember that and not be <clears throat> reserved as when I'm feeling reserved. If I feel constricted in my thoughts, I'm like, oh wait, what would Vanessa do? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And like, I think when people are are not present in the physical form with us anymore is, is kind of like a stamp on our heart in mm-hmm. that they're always there, no matter what, that you will think what would Vanessa do more than you might think that if she were in your life. And it's true. even though, you know, so that presence is still, I believe, just as strong, um, if not stronger. I know when my stepmom passed, I was, I felt her presence more than I ever did when she was alive, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, uh, oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that's really beautiful. And I, I love that you were able to have that conversation with her I mean, and it's, let her give you that because that's a gift too. Yeah. To and be I really, brave enough. <laughs> yeah. And I encourage that. I mean, you know, there might not be people as, as self-aware as Vanessa that are willing to answer that question. It might be it might be uncomfortable for someone else, but if it's, if you feel the opening for that and you know, someone that's dying, I would, you know, just talk about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, she was exceptional in her like clarity of, you know, where she was. And so it was easy for me to ask that. And we were that close, but, yeah. but um, yeah, I think that's a gift. Well, I, re- 
I appreciate you sharing that story with us and with me. And I am so in awe of the depth and grace that um, comes from the lessons and the experiences of our cancer journeys. Mm -hmm. And they just become even that much more important and amazing when they're shared. Mm -hmm. So thank you for um, coming and talking to me. Is there anything else you want to, any nugget you want to put out there? What's your (laughs) message to the world? (laughs) Oh my God. I feel like that I've said it all, all the the messages, you know, like, like, I mean, I, I, I wish that I could find a way to, to, to distill what it is that helps me find this joyous life you know, into, mm-hmm. into a word and, and maybe one day I will, and maybe I'll be a coach or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I've thought of that. I just, I just don't have it yet, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. but just to like, I guess just really trust that you really can live a joyful life mm-hmm. after cancer, during cancer, you know, especially if you put glitter in your life every day. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be glitter eyeliner. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It can be any kind of glitter. It's uh, it really it it can and also just be like um, I don't, you know, I'm a I'm a follower of the law of attraction, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of like if you can just instead of like if, like like I was taking a walk this morning and I was just so delighted by every flower, you know, or a, a, like a kid's toy left in the yard, like that was delightful to me today, you know, and not every day is this sparkly, but this is how I feel this is, today is, which is great mm-hmm. when I'm talking to you. And so like, that's, you know, <laughs> what I'm talking about by glitter, you know, it's like, it's like the whole world can be seen through those eyes. Yeah. You know, if, the joy you know, is not necessarily in here. The joy comes from connecting to the things that are beautiful Yeah, yeah. And then it becomes in here. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Cancer Pants Podcast. All the references and links to information about the guest today can be found in your show notes. Go out and find the joy. Wear the pants. You are right where you belong. Take care.